Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Some years ago, uh, my family, we lived on this ranch up by Eagle, up by Vale, up in the mountains. We lived on this ranch. We lived on the upper headquarters, a big cattle ranch, and we lived in this log house. And this was rough, I got to tell you. This was really, it was so bad that in the bathroom, if you left the shampoo on the outside wall overnight, it would freeze. Okay? And you had to hold it under the hot water in the morning to be able to. So it was pretty tough. And this house was heated with an old, uh, some of you may be old enough to see, imagine this kind of, or remember this kind of furnace. It's, it's kind of long and narrow and short. And in the front of it, there's a glass panel. And then behind the glass panel are these ceramic tiles, and behind the ceramic tiles are these gas burners. And the gas burners heat up, and the tiles get hot, and they glow, and the heat radiates out. And that's how you heat the whole place. So in the mornings, we'd, we'd, uh, our kids would take a bath, and then they'd scamper down, there are three of them, they'd scamper down uh, and stand. Betty put a towel in front of this little stove, and they'd dry off and get dressed and get ready to go to school. And our youngest one, he was pretty young, and uh, so we always were a little concerned about him around that heater. So we said, now, be careful. Be careful. That's hot. It'll burn you. Be careful. And sure enough, one day, he finally got close enough to it that he burned his butt. Okay? And we were standing there. You know, we are just watching the kids. And all of a sudden, he jumps. He jumped clear off the towel and grabbed his butt and wheeled around. And he said, That's hot. And it was one of those moments when he had the knowledge, but not the understanding. Knowledge had not become understanding because it wasn't connected to experience. So, I'd like to pray as we start. Father, today I come into your presence with your family to ask you for burn bottoms. We're asking today that the light and the heat of your truth will move each of us from information to understanding in new and refreshing ways. God, we're asking that your Spirit would show us the lies that we've believed, that the love and the lessons of your Son would refresh our vision of who we are as in heaven. Lord, we're asking today for a heaven-to-earth revelation of how our relationship with you is intended to be. God, we're asking for the freedom to be true sons and daughters. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're in a series called Multiply, and the logo for the series is a a multiplication sign. And this is the third and final installment And uh, when you think about multiply, what are we talking about multiplying? We're talking about multiplying blessings. True? That's what we're talking about multiplying, is blessings. And in the opening part of this series, Luke described what the first building block in moving ourselves to a place where we're able to receive blessings from a generous God who wants to bless us. Okay, And my takeaways from Luke were this. Luke talked mainly about tithes and offerings. One takeaway I had is that tithes support the house. 
and offerings are above that. The second takeaway I had is that God wants our best, not our leftovers. A third takeaway I had is put God first. God wants us to honor him first, not as an afterthought later on. The fourth way, a fourth thing that I took away was this. Jesus is not after our money. He's after our heart. Okay? Is that not true? And Luke closed his message out by saying that he felt that he and his family have been greatly blessed by God. The next week, Walt came. And if you were here, you'll remember that Walt talked about sowing and reaping. And the takeaways there, I thought, were amazing. One is that what you sow is what you reap. You can't go plant an apple tree and think you're going to get an orange, right? When you sow blessings, you reap blessings. When you sow curses, what do you reap? Curses, that's right. So what you sow is what you reap, and you're in charge of that. You're in charge of what you sow, okay? The other thing that I thought was a wonderful takeaway from Walt was this. Sometimes we feel like we have a loss, and we react to it as if it were a loss, even though we know that Scripture says unless a seed dies and falls to the ground, it cannot reproduce. True? And so we need to sow our losses, because out of that comes blessing. And Walt told this wonderful story about how uh, he helped sow a blessing in Africa. He sowed the blessing, as a matter of fact, and he received a multiplied blessing back here. And I will tell you, I was with him when that happened, and there was a man full of joy, okay? Because he was blessed, and he told us that. Now this week, I'd like... Oh, and the other thing he brought up was um, timing. Don't be impatient. It's in God's time, okay? Don't be impatient. This week's final part is generosity. I want to talk to you about generosity, and I'd like to set the stage just real briefly by saying a couple things. The first thing is this. Uh, Everybody knows we're created in the image and likeness of God. That means that we were created in the character and the intent of God. It doesn't mean we look like God because God's a spirit, right? And so what it means is we carry God's spiritual DNA, That's in us. We are sons and daughters. My sons and daughter carry my DNA in the natural. We carry God's DNA in the spiritual. Part of God's DNA is generosity. True? I I don't know. I bet you you can think of 20 or 30 or 40 scriptures about how generous God is. A few came to my mind like in... In uh, Chronicles, God is uh, wooing his people, and he says, if my people who are called by my name will rethink what they're doing. That's the Bob translation. Okay? Then what will I do? I will forgive them, and I will heal their land. That's a generous gift of restoration and healing. True? God spoke, and he said, I so love the world that I give my only begotten Son, that you may have life, and life eternal. 
God is an incredibly, lavishly generous God. When he created the world, we were created the sixth day, right? What happened the seventh? We got the day off. Hadn't done a lick of work yet, but we got the day off. We have a generous God, and his generosity is in our DNA. And when we go outside of that generosity, it's counterfeit. It's counterfeit. And we know it. Now, generosity is not a transaction, okay? God speaks to us, and he says, if you'll bless me, I'll bless you, and I'll multiply 30, 60, 100-fold, right? This is not a contractual relationship. I give God an apple, and he gives me 60 back, okay? It is not a transaction. What it is, is a heart condition. What's your heart condition? Okay, it's a condition in the heart. And I'd like to point out a couple of scriptures here where Jesus came and made this abundantly clear. And these are found in Matthew. And if you turn in your Bible to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, and you put your eye upon the 21st verse, this is what you'll read. And I'm reading from the NIV. Jesus is speaking, and he says, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. What is anger? It's a heart condition. You run down a little farther, and you see in in verse 27, for example, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's a heart condition. Or look at um, 43. You heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. Can I get an amen? Yes, yes. It's a heart condition. It's a heart condition that we're talking about here, that Jesus is talking about here. And then he goes into the next chapter, chapter 6, and he talks about the things that can corrupt our heart, and oh boy, can they. For example, in the first verse of 6, he says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. There's no heart condition there. There's the approval of a human audience. That's all there is, and there will be no blessing. Down in 5, he says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men, by men. I tell you the truth. They've received their reward in full. There is no blessing. They've been seen by men. No heart condition. In 16, he says, When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Get it? Heart condition. We can be corrupted by our desire for worldly approval. We can turn our attention to an audience that has no blessing to offer us whatsoever. So we have to remain 
in a heart condition of generosity. Now, I have found in my experience, and and you may have found the same thing, I found in my experience that there's two places where generosity struggles in many of us, okay? The first place is in forgiveness. And I believe we struggle in forgiveness and being generous in that at times because we're drawn into making it transactional. And we say, okay, I forgive you, um, but you won't do it again, right? That's not forgiveness. It's a contract. I'll forgive you. You don't do it again. Let's sign. We're done, right? Okay? No. Or we'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll forgive you, and you, you do admit you were wrong, no, right? No, 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 no. Forgiveness is just forgiveness. It's an act of generosity, and as Luke preached a few weeks ago, it's as much for you as the person you're forgiving. Cleanse yourself. Keep your heart clean by being generous with forgiveness. Seventy times seven, right? And the second place, are you ready for this? Drum roll. Money. Now, money is kind of a high-tension word, okay? And I suspect when I said that, for anyone who might not have thought that was coming, you kind of go, hmm, yeah, money, yeah. We're very conflicted about money, and i got to tell you, from my perspective, money's vastly overrated. You know, I mean, you can only cut a stake so thick, you can only have so big a car, you can only own so many homes, you can only, you know, pursuing money will not make you happy. I didn't find being broke made me happy, okay? But, but, but pursuing money isn't going to make us happy either because it doesn't hook to our heart condition. So what we have a tendency to do when we get around money is we kind of want to set it aside, okay? We want to treat it differently than other things. Now, why do we do that? Well, you know, I think for some of us, we've had bad experiences with money. You ever had bad experience with money? Maybe you had some and lost it. Maybe you had some, used it the wrong way. Maybe you tried to get it and failed. Maybe you compromised your integrity, whatever it may be. We've had some bad experiences with money, and we say, wow, that hurt. I don't care much for that experience at all. Some of us have had good experiences with money, and we've discovered that the presence of money corrupts our identity. And now we're tempted towards behaviors and attitudes and values that are contrary to who we are, and it repels us and it disgusts us. And in our spirit, we say, that's not who I am. I think one of the major things that relates to being generous with money is fear. I was looking the other day in uh, Ecclesiastes. I think of Ecclesiastes as Solomon's journal. He must have journaled every day, and he wrote all these things down. And uh, one of the things he said is found in Ecclesiastes 11.4. He says, um, Whoever watches the wind will not plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. You see, as long as we try to see God's destiny for us, the dreams that he's put out there, the gifts and the presence and the blessings that he has for us, as long as we try to see those through the lens of our resources, they're invisible. We can't get there. 
The bus is already gone. The train's left the station. It's not possible because what God does is not limited to our resources. Okay? We have to look through the lens of the kingdom of heaven. We have to see the love and the promise that God has for us. It's in our heart condition. That's where it is. That's what we have to see. So when fear comes along, check your lens. Okay? You're looking through the wrong lens. You know, there's also another thing that comes against us, and that's selfishness. I heard this great story. Andy Stanley is a pastor at North Point Church, I think it is, in, in Atlanta. And he tells a story about he was with his daughter, and she was about five or six, and they were at a um, some kind of stadium event of some sort. And so when they went in and sat down, he went to the snack bar, and he got her a little bag of candy. I, I can't eat Skittles or something. So he said they were sitting there, and she'd opened the bag, and she was woofing down the Skittles. And uh, he said, um, can I have one? She said, no. <laughs> he said, what do you mean, no? She said, well, they're mine. I just gave them to you. I know. Can I have one? No. She wouldn't give him a piece of candy. She was selfish, and children can be selfish, True. We don't even have to teach them how. That comes with the original equipment, doesn't it? It really does. So selfishness can come against us, and selfishness kind of hooked to scarcity. A lot of times when we're selfish, it's because we're afraid we won't have enough. True? Yeah. So selfishness is another thing that puts us out of our heart condition and into some counterfeit place because our God is generous. He has everything for us. Everything for us. Scripture says, even though you stumble, I will not let you fall. It's in the Psalms. Okay? Another thing that gets into it is this. Oh, this is a beauty. Security. Okay? Security. Sometimes we can get the impression that our financial capability, our resources, will make us secure. Now, this is really an extraordinary idea particularly if you've lived through 2008, and you realize your 401k, which was your security, is now your 101k, all right? That's, that's what you got. And it is, it is, first of all, foolish to imagine that our finances are going to make us secure. Worse yet, when we do that, what we do is we say, okay, God, here's the deal, here's the deal. Like Andy Stanley's daughter, I've paid my religious tax. This money's mine. I'm not interested in what you've got to say anymore. I've paid my dues. This is mine, and it's going to take care of me. And what we do when we do that is we lift that money up above God. It's a kind of idolatry. Now think about it. How is it that we could ever imagine that God would give us more of something that we value more than him. Can't happen, right? I mean, it's, it's financial suicide. Think about it that way. So security is another place we struggle with money. And the last one, I think, is legalism. This is kind of a rationalization that says, well, tithing and offering and all that stuff, that was in the Old Testament. That was the Old Covenant. I'm in the New Covenant, and Paul said, be of, mind, be of a mind of what you would give and give it with a glad heart, Right? Notice, Paul did not say, be of a mind if you're going to give or not, okay? 
Generosity was the assumption throughout that scripture. You're going to give. The question is, what are you going to give? And, and you know, Jesus really kind of came right at that in the sense that uh, he said, where your treasure is, there is your, your heart. And that's right. If your treasure is in Christ, your heart will be in Christ, and Christ in you. If your treasure is down at the First National Bank, well, good luck with that. Okay? Probably not going to go well. It really won't. So, Paul writes in Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians, second letter to the church in Corinth, verse 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 10 through 15, he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way, every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. You see, generosity is in identity. It's in the DNA. That is your true DNA. And when you have a moment that you're not feeling so generous, that's a time for a checkup on your heart. Okay? That's a time to examine because there's a counterfeit DNA trying to get in there. You don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen. You know, like Luke and Walt, I've been richly blessed. I really have. My family, I've I married an amazing woman. She's put up with me all this time and suffered through all the crazy things I've done. And, and God has poured out blessing. I have wonderful children. I have an amazing family right here. And I want to real quickly tell you two things about blessing. About... Um, Four years ago, I guess, the Four Mile Canyon fire. When the Four Mile Canyon fire broke out, we live in the mountains, and the fire burned to within about a quarter of a mile above our home on this ridge. My neighbor called, said there was a fire. I went outside. Whoa, there was a fire. And we had our grandson with us. His folks were in town. So we said, well, let's just go to town so they won't worry about it. So we uh, hopped in the car. We went to town. We went to Wendy's in Longmont. We met there with Mom and Dad and our other son came over and we sat there and we talked about would our house burn, would our property burn, what would it look like after the property burned and, you know, we had these pictures of black chimneys and, and all that kind of thing and we said, well, would we rebuild, what would we do? And we started talking about, yeah, if we rebuilt, we'd do this, we'd do that. You know, by the time we walked out of Wendy's, we were kind of rooting for the fire. <laughs> we were. We, we were kind of hoping that thing was going to burn because we wanted to rebuild it in a different way, okay? And I, I walked out of the door of the Wendy's. I can still see it, aluminum glass door. And I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this because I know I own my stuff. My stuff does not own me, okay? That's amen. That's worth an amen. That's where we need to be. The other thing in blessing that I've seen as a provision to God, as everybody probably knows, we got flooded out. God sent a helicopter, took us off the roof. All these things happened. But as we have walked through this, what we've realized is God had planned on this a long time ago. About a year and a half ago, actually, he started this. We didn't know it because we didn't know there was going to be a flood, but he did. And so what God did is he prompted me to buy a house. And in the house, it's a big house, 4,000 square feet, bought it for a rental. But in the lower level, there's an apartment. Now, this is about a 400 square foot apartment. It's tiny. 
Somebody say, how tiny is it? I'll tell you. <laughs> this is so tiny that if either one of us want to bring something in there, we got a boat on it. Okay? <laughs> we do. Yeah. The other day, I wanted to bring in a bread knife. I said, can I bring in a bread knife? And Betty said, well, where are you going to put that thing? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. She said, well, let me think about it. She said, show it to me. I want to know how big it is. So, so she finally voted for it, and I got my bread knife in the apartment. But it's really tight, but God provided that for us. We had a car in town. We had financial provision. He bought, brought a brother to me months ago to come into relationship with me, and he's been such a blessing in everything. God is generous. We're generous, too. That's where we need to be. I want to read something to you as we finish here. We build on the loving worship of tithes and offerings, the faith and hope of sowing and reaping, even our losses, and on our identity as generous sons and daughters of the Most High God. Isn't that true? And God wrote this to us in Proverbs. It's Proverbs 11, verses 24 to 28. And I pray that you will write these words on the doorposts of your heart so that you can check your heart condition. It says this, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who's willing to sell. He who seeks good finds goodwill, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Amen. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray for you. You see... If you're here today, and maybe you're stuck in fear, maybe you're stuck there, okay, this prayer's for you. It may be selfishness has got a hold on you. That sure could happen. This prayer's for you. If you hunger for security aside from your own father, this prayer's for you. And if you're chained to the dead rock of legalism, this prayer's for you. I'd like you to do something affirmatively as we pray. I'd like to bow your heads. And if this prayer is for you, if you're able to receive it, then I'd ask that you just stand up. This prayer is for you. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray it will dwell among us and bring rich fruit. I thank you for burned bottoms today. I know my behind's hot with the light and the truth of your revelation in Christ Jesus. And I can see others here are as well. For each is willing to receive it, Father, in the name of Jesus. I break off every spirit of fear, of selfishness, and security. I speak life to those trapped in dead religion, carrying with them the corpse of denial and rationalization. Be free. Be free. 
I speak peace over those who honor you with their offerings of the best and the first and give even beyond according to their ability. I speak joy over those who sow crops of faith and loss and see restoration and victory, for it will come, I know, Father. I speak righteousness over those who acknowledge and rejoice and bless through their generosity in your image and likeness. Oh, Lord. Father, may the children of this house, your sons and daughters, walk from this day forward with a new understanding of who they are and a renewed vision of your promises for them. And all God's people say, Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Nick.